live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. Look, I understand these are trying times, but at least you have a day finally where the weather seems to be cooperating, temperatures in the 50s for most of us, that that big orange thing in the sky, the sun is shining, making it easier for us to go out and take walks and things like that. So that that's at least perhaps just a, a shade of good news in what is otherwise kind of a depressing sort of time with, you know, relentlessly bad news and projections coming out saying we think this is going to be worse, etc. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But at least we have some nice weather at our house. We were able to finally turn off the heat and open up a couple of the doors and get some fresh air in and things like that. And hopefully that will continue and we'll be turning a corner and maybe that'll make this next few weeks go by even faster because there are going to be issues. All right, the breaking news story that we've been telling you about for the last hour or so has been the announcement, no surprise, but the announcement that the Democratic National Convention which was scheduled to be in Milwaukee in the middle of July, has now been delayed, not canceled, but delayed, pushed back to the uh, week of August 17th, so mid-August. I think the, the recognition was that it just it wasn't feasible to try to pull this off. If you look, you're seeing more and more events scheduled for July that are now either being postponed or being canceled. I mean, just yesterday you had the, the Wimbledon, the, the big tennis tournament, probably the premier tennis tournament in the world. That was canceled, and that's scheduled for early July. That was canceled um, for the entire year. The British Open Championship, the big golf tournament, that, that has been canceled. And so <clears throat> the idea that you Summerfest, you know, earlier on, which was June and early July, Summerfest postponed until September. So given everything that's going on, given the logistics, given the uncertainty, and given how we have to wrestle to figure out, you know, how are we going to pull these things off, it just did not make sense, I think, to stick with that date. In addition, one of the reasons why the Democrats were having their convention in mid-July was because of, of the Olympics. Keep in mind, the Tokyo Olympics were scheduled to start towards the end of July. So their thinking was, look, we, we don't want to get swamped by the Olympics. We don't want our stuff that goes on at a convention you know, knocked off the pages because everybody's paying attention to the Olympics. Makes sense. Well, now the, the Olympics, of course, have been delayed for <clears throat> a year. So you're not running up against that. So the decision to push things back to August, I think, makes eminent sense, especially as I was talking about a couple minutes ago, given the challenges that that you face. The the host committee has to raise somewhere in the in the vicinity of seventy million dollars. Now I, I don't know where they are on their fundraising goals, but I know they were set back a couple months ago when the the people that were in charge 
had been hired to, to run the organizing committee, they ended up getting fired. And, and it sounds like stuff kind of, I, th- I think, probably came to a halt for a little bit. And now, <clears throat> given all the concerns you have about coronavirus, <clears throat> I think it's really tough to go out and raise money. I mean, how, how do you go to a, a company that's facing cutting back the 401k contributions and looking at massive layoffs and, and go to that company and say, hey, we'd like you to pony up a million dollars. We'd like to pony up $2 million or $3 million or whatever to <clears throat> help be a sponsor for the Democratic National Committee you, Convention. It's it just, it, as a practical matter, it doesn't happen. So this, I think, buys everybody some more time. Now, we're going to be hearing from Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett in, in just a couple minutes, his update on this. And I, I think everything is kind of fluid. My sense is that if they have the convention, it's going to be in a scaled-back version. And I don't know quite how they're going to scale it back, but my guess is a scaled-back version. There's nothing magic that says that it has to be, you know, four days. The other issue is going to be um, if people were uncomfortable being in a a venue with eighteen to 20,000 people crammed into Fiserv, if they were uncomfortable in July, are they going to be any more comfortable in, in August? And that's a real issue to raise. In addition... The point I was making earlier, you have to understand that for most delegates, and I was an alternative delegate to one of these, uh, I was an alternate to one of the, the conventions, the Bob Dole Convention. I think that was 1996, I believe. And, and, and it, it's fun to go. But in, in general, you, if as a delegate, you pay your own way. I mean, I I don't think the Democratic Party is any different. So, I mean, I do wonder, you have all these people who are party activists who signed up, they want to participate in this, but given, again, what's going on in the world with the layoffs and the unemployment and the uncertainty moving forward as to how long it's going to take the economy to get back on track, I, I wonder how that may change people's plans when it comes to, gee, I, I was going to be a delegate, I was going to participate, I was going to show up, but it might change their plans as to you know, whether or not they're actually able to do that. So th- these, are all, these are all very valid questions. I, I think I'm, I'm glad to hear that they're still going to try to run it in some form or another because even if it's a scaled-down convention, even if it's only two days instead of four days, even if it only ends up attracting 20,000 people instead of 50,000 people, even if that's how it all turns out, it's still going to be an economic shot in the arm for southeast Wisconsin. Maybe not as large a shot in the arm as we had anticipated, say, when this was announced, but still a a shot in the arm, and I think that's a good thing. Okay, like I say, we're waiting. uh, Mayor Barrett is going to be having some remarks on this. We will dip into that. Let me take a very quick break. If he starts during the commercial break, we'll break in. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. As we've been telling you for about the last hour or so, the breaking news is that the Democratic National Convention scheduled for mid-July in Milwaukee has been not canceled but postponed until the week of August 17th. Uh, Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett, who's been, of course, one of the, the leading driving forces behind trying to get the convention to Milwaukee, he's going to be addressing what this means. Um, Eric Bilstadt back at the yes. studio. Tom Barrett's getting ready to speak, but it's not he's not quite set 
yet. Right? No, they're allowing everyone to. Th- this is the new normal now, where we have these Zoom meetings and everything. So they're allowing everyone to get into place. He is currently sitting in his living room. I can see him looking at his phone, but he has not yet spoken mm-hmm. yet. A lot of questions about what's going to happen here, Jeff. It sounds like, according to the DNC statement from earlier today. They will have the Wisconsin Center District. They will have hotels available. They will have the Pfizer form to use. But still a lot of questions and a lot of fluidity as to whether or not all of that is open. We shall see. Well, well, yeah. And then, then of course, there's, there's the practical situations of what, what, what about people's psyches? I mean, as, as I was talking about, you know, typically delegates pay their own way. So my, my guess is you have a lot of the people who are potential delegates, party activists, who have been caught up in, again, everything that's going on in the economy. Mm-hmm. Are, okay, got it. And here we go. Here comes the mayor. That the convention that was originally scheduled for July 13th through the 16th has been moved to the week of August 17th. I, I consider this extremely good news, and I think it's a sign of how sensitive the Democratic National Committee is to the health needs, not only of our of our residents, but the health needs of people throughout this nation. I think we all recognize that increasingly it looked more and more difficult for us to host this convention during the week of July 13th through the 16th. But in my conversations that I've had with the conference, with the delegation and with the uh, com- convention organizers, as, as well as my con- conversations with Chairman Tom Perez, it was always clear to me that they are committed to nominating the next Democratic presidential nominee here in the city of Milwaukee. And I think that this announcement today underscores their commitment to doing that. I think it's also extremely important because at a time where we are navigating the most tumultuous public health issue we have faced in our lifetime and increasingly one of the most precarious economic Uh, situations we are in that hopefully, and I say this with a great deal of hope, that by mid-August that this will serve as a very, very important shot in the arm for our local businesses so that they can expect to have visitors here. How many visitors? We don't know. How many days to the convention? We don't know. But I think what really allowed this to happen, again, was a recognition by the Democratic National Committee and Tom Perez and Joe Salmonese in particular, that it was very, very important to remain committed to Wisconsin, to be remain committed to Milwaukee, and because they know we put a lot of work into this. They know that this is something that's important to us. I will say this at the local level. Um, as excited as we have been, and we continue to be very excited about hosting this convention, over the last month, month and a half, our city resources, and I think the, re- the resources throughout this community, um, have been committed to dealing with the COVID-19 crisis and the concurrent economic crisis that it's developing. In other words, as excited as we've been about the convention, it immediately got moved to the back burner, um, but it never got taken off. It never got taken off the stove, and it's going to remain on the back burner in terms of what we're doing right now in trying to address the public health crisis. Um, and deal with the economic crisis. But by having this additional month of breathing room, we are hoping that this will allow us then to pivot once we're moving out of these turbulent waters and use this as a very, very important shot in the arm, as I said, to to moving the community forward. So again, uh, I've had conversations with Chairman Perez. I've had conversations with Joe Salmanese, with Raquel Falmanowicz and the host committee. And I know that they've reached out 
to Pfizer Forum, to the Wisconsin Center District, um, to others in the community to make sure availability was something that we could work with. And everyone they've talked to has been very, very accommodating. I'm very thankful to that. Obviously, there are going to have to be some adjustments that are being made along the way. But this is a challenging time. And I think what you saw here was a, a commitment to the process, a commitment to the community, and a commitment to public health. And I'm happy about all three of those very, very much. So if there's any questions, I'm happy to answer you. That is Mayor Barrett holding his briefing from his living room to all the uh, news agencies there yes as you heard it there jeff the De- democratic national convention will now be held on august 17th in milwaukee august 17th one month back from when it originally was supposed to be in july here in the city but you know and eric i think interestingly the, the word that the mayor used that i think people need to be aware of is, is fluid it is mm-hmm. a Understandably, it's a fluid sort of situation, and I think what you're going to see as time moves, what this was was an opportunity to, to buy time to figure out, you know, where we are. And my, my guess is, my guess is there's been no commitment at this point in time, you know, no certainty as to what exactly is it going to look like. And right. I think that's a reasonable position. We just, you know, who knows exactly where we're going to be two months from now. But it is interesting to me that we're seeing so many of these dominoes already fall over for events in June and now July. And now, you know, we're, we're getting into August. Um, to me, though, this makes eminent sense. You hope that they're able to pull off something like this because, again, it's going to be a huge economic shot in the arm to Milwaukee, and we're going to need an economic shot in the mm-hmm. arm. Oh, and just think, I mean, there are still so many questions regarding security, the hotels, the venues, the entertainment, the number of people in, the the number of media that will be allowed to come in for this. I mean, we were talking about hotels in Madison and in Illinois for some of these folks. So that's going to be a huge adjustment. I mean, I assume that a lot of those hotels, there's weddings generally in August. The state fair ends August 16th. This is supposed to start the 17th. So, yeah, very, very fluid. Yeah, thanks a lot, Eric. I appreciate it. And, of course, mm-hmm. this raises other questions a, a, as well as to what, what other dominoes start to fall. Now, we, we've, seen, we, we've seen Summerfest postpone until September. We've seen Festa Italiana, which is mid-July, about the same time as the Democratic National Convention was scheduled to be. Festa Italiana ha, has, just, has just plain canceled. So, I mean, they're going to come back in, in 2021. So, I mean, now... I think it's interesting. I mean, I think the the next the next big summer event that we want to that we're going to be hearing about, I think, is going to be State Fair. And I, I'm sure that the folks at State Fair are monitoring these situations and they're trying to figure out, okay, what what is it going to look like? Because I mean, while State Fair at State Fair Park, you've got this massive outdoor venue. You've also, as you know, I, I think that they always tout, you know, if you get bad weather, it's no problem. They've got a lot of indoor facilities as well. You know, the the huge center where you can walk up and down and buy things. I mean, I, I think that question is going to be, you know, what what is what is going on now in early April? Is that going to affect the number of vendors? How how do you line up the suppliers? And I'm sure it, the folks at State Fair are working 24-7. I'm not in a position to make any predictions at all, and I hope they can figure out a way, because I love State Fair. I hope they can figure out a way to make that happen, but I think that's one of the next major institutions that we want to start to focus on, which is do they think that they're going to be able to run State Fair in, in early August as as scheduled, or is everything that's going on 
is that going to make that a logistical nightmare as well? That these are all just open questions because we are in extremely uncharted waters. I, I will say this with the Democratic National Convention. I, I just I will be surprised if they're able to pull it off to the same scope that they had, had been talking about if there hadn't been coronavirus. Will there be a convention in Milwaukee? You sure hope so. My guess is it will be shorter duration, and my guess is there will be a lot fewer people coming here, but there will be people coming here, and I think that that's good news. All right, let's take a quick break. Back with much more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Thank you so very much for joining us. All right. Story in USA Today. Researchers in Pittsburgh have developed a potential coronavirus vaccine. Here's the way the story starts. A potential vaccine for COVID-19 has been developed and tested successfully in mice. Researchers at University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine reported today. The announcement, more than three months into the pandemic, that has killed a number of people and sickened a large number more, presents an urgent challenge to government regulators who must now weigh just how much to speed up the vaccine approval process. Vaccines often take years to receive approval from the U.S. FDA. On March 16th, the first four healthy volunteers in Seattle received a different potential COVID-19 vaccine made by a private company and administered in a small clinical trial. The vaccine being tested in Seattle uses a new, faster, but untested technology. The one developed in Pittsburgh employs the same technique used in the flu shots. The vaccine uses the lab-made viral protein to build a person's immunity to the virus. All right, so they, they've got these tests. The tests are, um, are, are showing progress. The scientists in Pittsburgh say they hope that they're not going to be too far behind Seattle researchers in getting their vaccines into trial. The tests in mice, now people aren't mice, but the tests in mice found that the vaccine um, spurred a wave of virus-fighting antibodies within two weeks. So it's the same premise as you get with the flu shot, where you know the flu shot helps your body build up in immunity to the, the, the flu. So that's what they are, are looking for, and they're trying to speed this into, into production. Now, of course, here, here's the reality with this. Typically, approval of vaccine a year to a year and a half. And the reality is that coronavirus is going to be with us until we end up getting a vaccine that that's just that that's just the reality that's why a lot of the these models that you see that project huge numbers of, of people getting sick and, and dying what they're doing is is they project the fact that there's going to be surges of this okay you know once once april's over coronavirus doesn't disappear we're just trying to make sure that the number of people who get it all at once doesn't overwhelm the medical system. But the truth of the matter is coronavirus is going to be here till we get a vaccine or until enough people get it and get sick that you build up that whole notion of herd immunity. So we're trying to do two things. First of all, I think develop things that you can give people that minimize the symptoms. Um, it's not a it's not a cure necessarily, but help people get better faster. Like like we have the prescription stuff you can take for the flu, and then ultimately the idea is you'll have a vaccine, you'll be able to inoculate people, and then that will exterminate coronavirus. But that's not going to be for a long 
time. Um, now, hopefully, this is really good news. Hopefully that they're able to get this thing expedited. They're going to be able to get the test done. But even, you know, best case scenario, it's going to be months and months before something like this is decided that it's available to be used on a widespread basis on, on human beings. Because it's one thing to test stuff in a lab on mice. It's another thing to give it to people. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question. If a vaccine becomes available in the next six months to a year, all right, would you be one of the people who got it? You know, would you be willing to be one of the people in the first wave? And again, I'm, let's assume that there is the appropriate testing. The FDA comes out and we says, okay, we, we believe this is safe. All right, would, would you be willing to get the vaccine? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, we were talking about this in the abstract a couple weeks ago, and I asked that same question, and I would say a majority of people who responded to that question said, nope, no, we're, you know, we, we're, we're not interested in this. You know, if, if we got the shot, if we got the vaccine, it would have to be years down the road because we're afraid of what the consequences may be. So, okay, now you've got this, this new vaccine in development, don't know when it's going to be available, but when it is, would you get it? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Because the truth of the matter is, coronavirus probably isn't going to go away for everybody until we develop either develop the vaccine or that so many people get it that there's now herd immunity. Would you be willing to sign up for the vaccine and to get a shot? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, um, researchers in Pittsburgh say they have developed a potential coronavirus vaccine. What they're looking at is essentially something on the model of the flu shots where you, you get like an active flu or the, a dead version of the flu shot, I guess that's what it is, and then your, your body naturally builds up antibodies. You know, they're, they're hoping that they can get this kind of fast-tracked for approval and get it on the market if it's effective. My question is, this first generation of coronavirus tests or vaccines, would you take it? Nancy in Burlington. Hi, Nancy. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Um, absolutely. I'd get in line. I'd, I'd take it. I had the shingles okay. vaccine. I've had the shingles once. I had the pneumococcal vaccine. Um, I'm 61. I'm neutropenic. I work in a long-term care facility. Um, I've gone through polio. Not, not that I ha- had it, but I remember Right. I remember people getting it. Um, you bet. I'd get in line. I'd take it. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are concerned with, like, hey, we, we don't know. There's all the, this unexpected stuff, especially with the first generation of these vaccines. There's it could lead to this. with everything. You take a ch- chance with everything. But I don't want this. I don't want my residents getting it. I don't right. want to see family members getting it. Yeah, I would do a trial. Good enough. Thanks for the call, Nancy. I appreciate it. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tristan in Wapaka. Tristan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, so if this vaccine comes out, 
Um, would you be one of the first people, if, if, if it was available, would you get it? Uh, I think yes. I am only uh, 21 years old. I'm in pretty good shape. And uh, all my life I've gotten vaccines uh, growing up wasn't unusual. Uh, I understand Corona is something we've never dealt with before. And, uh, you know, they're not really sure what the face wave would entail. Um, At the same time, I think if, you know, this would lead to a successful vaccine, I would be willing to take it and, you know, take one for the team in essence. Oh, so you'd even be willing to be kind of a guinea pig for this um, to, to to see if it works. Yeah, because this no, is very this is historical. We've never really seen anything like it, and uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm young enough. I feel like to you know be uh, if for whatever reason there was some side effect or side symptom, I, I feel like I would re- recover. Uh, I think right now we're just seeing a lot more damage than not have than not having guinea pigs, if you'd say. Tristan, <clears throat> mm-hmm. let me ask you this: Give me the perspective from a from a 21 year old. Are you worried about getting the coronavirus yourself? Are you worried about getting COVID nineteen? Truthfully, uh, I mean, I'm just as worried about getting it, just because I feel like I could spread it and not even know it. Uh, personally, do I think the virus would take me down? I, I don't think so. I'm pretty healthy. I'm a pretty healthy guy. I do a lot of workouts and run a lot. Um, but my, my concern is I don't want to give this to my mother, my dad, my grandmother, my grandfather, anything like that. And, uh, you know, that's why I, I think at the same time we, we need to have somebody and people try to do this uh, test trial, even though it's the first wave and we don't know what, what to expect yet. I, I think it needs to be needs to be done. And the fact that Seattle and Pittsburgh are uh, getting along the way, I think we're on the right track. Good enough, Tristan. Th- thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And I, I wasn't even going to ask Chris- Tristan because I can tell Tristan wouldn't have been one of those guys on spring break that was out there standing on the beach, you know, shoulder to shoulder with all sorts of people. Gianni in Montello. Gianni, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Um, certainly, I would be first in line to get this vaccine. I, I-, I care for my-, my 94-year-old father and um, you know, I'm, I'm even reluctant sometimes to, to go to town uh, because if I pick it up, um, or even the flu. Uh, if I pick it up, that, then he's dead. You know, he's not going to survive a, a major respiratory infection. So uh, let's hope that it's 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 in the in the works um, before before October, because that's when the flu and cold seasons you know really start up again in October. And um, it's critical that that uh, you know we are vaccinated. And I, I don't understand this anti-vaccine movement where. Um, people don't even get the flu shot. You know, it just yeah. makes no sense to, you know. Well, Johnny, thanks. Thanks for the call. And, see, and actually, that's that, that is the larger issue that's out there. And I mean, every time there's a cold and flu season, and look, I I understand COVID nineteen is not the flu. So that, but but the comparisons I, I think are valid to an extent when it comes to vaccinations. You know, we have a lot of people who make the decision. That we're, we're not going to get in, in, you're not going to get the flu shot. That's a decision they make. We don't force people to, to do that. And as a result, you know, you always have the flu. You, you have people who die in Wisconsin. You have people who die in the cars across the country every year because of, of the flu. And I, I do have to believe that if, if we had all, if we all made a decision every year that we were going to get the flu shot, I believe the incidence of the flu would be a lot 
less. I, I just I believe that. And I understand flu shots aren't perfect, and just because you get a flu shot doesn't mean that you might not get the flu. But typically, you get the flu shot, and even if you get the flu, it tends to be of a of a lesser duration. See, I, I bring this up because it's it's really kind of a, a key sort of thing moving forward because. COVID-19 is not going to disappear. Again, as I said at the start of this segment, it's not going to disappear until either there is a vaccine that a lot of people take or enough people get it so that they've developed an immunity that they're, that they're not spreading it. And, and that's, that's kind of a, a ways off as well. So it's going to be with us, and it's going to be making comebacks. I mean, I think that's – so for anybody who thinks that, hey, at, at the end of April, boom, that this, this virus is going to be gone from society or the world, that, that's just not the case. And see, and my guess is that there's going to be, you know, periodic – outbreaks of this moving forward again until we get that vaccine until there's the herd immunity um and until we develop i I guess again if not the vaccine we develop some treatment plan that can minimize the symptoms and 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 make it easier to live with so then what you have to do is you end up concentrating on the the high target populations but I, i will tell you this i think moving forward until we can get rid of coronavirus period. I think um, it it is going to change the dynamic at, um, for example, uh, senior care facilities where you have people that tend to be, you know, more vulnerable to this type of stuff. Because I I don't see us going back to business as usual anytime soon. Dawn in Wauwatosa. Dawn, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello. Um, I'm just going to say I would not do this new vaccine just because it's got, by the sounds of what I heard you say, it's putting that virus in you i would prefer to wait for the one the other one i believe does not put the active cultures in you i would be in line for that but just as a flu shot i don't want them pumping me full of that virus and then hoping that it works especially on a new one um yeah at, at what what point in time what point in time do you think that you'd be willing to get that vaccine i mean a year from now two years from now what what, what or or never I'm going to say never. I've never had a flu shot. I'm hoping that that other vaccine that they're working on that doesn't put the cultures in you is right. available also. Right. Good enough. Okay. Well, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Something that's in me. No, I, I, no, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I, I mean, I, okay. I, I understand. Um, I, and, and that's, that's kind of the, the reality that's out there. Now, again, when we did a variation of this topic a couple weeks ago, almost everybody that called up said, no, we don't want to be in the first generation of, of the vaccines. Now uh, that, that we're more into the, the pandemic and we're seeing the numbers and things like that, I think there is some degree of changing. So what would I do? Well, I think this is one where I, I just defer to people who are smarter than me. And this is one just kind of like the flu shot. I get the flu shot every year because my doctor recommends it. And because I have a, I, I don't have allergies to that stuff. I, I've gotten the flu shot for years. I've never had adverse reactions to it. I'm not allergic to various things. And, and that's not to say that you couldn't get it one day and, and have some sort of abject, you know, some really really bad reaction. I, I've just never, I've never had that. I don't want to get COVID nineteen. Now, do I believe? Do I believe in my particular case that if I got it, do, do I think that I'd be a fatality? No, no, probably nobody does. But, I mean, I'm reasonably healthy, you know, otherwise. So, I, but I, I, I don't want to get it. I don't want to get sick. And I certainly 
don't want to spread that to anybody else, including especially people who might have a compromised immune system or something like that. So, I mean, my guess is my reaction would be the same thing I do when I talk to the doctor about the shingles vaccine or I talk to the doctor about the, the flu shot or whatever. If he says, well, Jeff, here, here's the reality and anything bad can happen, but I'm, I'm looking at your medical records. I see nothing in there that suggests that you would have an adverse reaction to this. No, you could. But at the same time, these are all the benefits that you would receive. And if the doc says, hey, I, I mean, I just trust my doctor. So if he says, look, I think on balance, you know, this is something that you should get. I would recommend it. It's your call, but I would recommend it. Then I, I think I'm, I'm going to do it. And I think more and more people are going to do that. So the sooner and, and even even for the people that don't decide that they want to get it, the, the sooner that people do have a vaccine that's available, that's fewer and fewer people that arguably could be exposed to it. And so that, 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 dis, that makes this awful thing just disappear from society sooner rather than later, which is a good thing. Let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. It's 1253. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, that was quick. Walked away for a couple of minutes during the break, right before the top of the hour news. I was talking about how the stock market was up about, what, 150, 130 points, and uh, that just completely disappeared over the last couple minutes. Shows how fluid, I guess that's the word, stuff ends up being. All right. Now, my my advice, for whatever it's worth, during this COVID-19 coronavirus uh, crisis, my advice is it's important on occasion to to get away for for your mental health, if nothing else, because the reality is a lot of the stuff that's going on in the world, you you can't affect you can't change. Now, you, you can do your part, and hopefully we all are doing our part, to, to keep ourselves safe and to keep other people safe. You know, you, you follow the social distancing and, and those, those sort of rules. So you, you do your part. But at the same time, it's a much bigger picture that, that's going on there. And the, the news is, I acknowledge, it's pretty much relentlessly bad. And you, you can doesn't matter what, what happens. You, you turn on the radio. You turn on, you know, the cable TV news or whatever, and and you you get just one round of bad news after another. And it's really easy, I think, for some people to kind of say, okay, what's where where is this going? Is this going to ever end, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And just again, from a mental health perspective, I can understand how people get incredibly bummed out and depressed. That is why my advice and what I try to do is is to you got to get away from the news. You you just you've got to force yourself to say, okay. Look, I, I'm not going to sit home, <clears throat> and turn on the television, and do nothing but 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 watch you know one um, you know cable projection after one cable news channel after another, projecting pretty much the end of the world. Because if you do that, what's going to happen is is you're just you're going to be miserable, and and you're not going to change anything beyond again convincing yourself to recommit to do what you can to make yourself and your family members safer. So I, I just I always encourage people to try to to try to get away from things. I, I was kind of kidding around. I'm not a huge fan of the Hallmark Channel, but I, I appreciate people who are, and I get why it is. I, I actually had said to my wife jokingly because she'd been one. It was one night that she was watching the, the news relentlessly, and it was one horrible story after another. And I said, "Hun, just for God's sake, turn on the Hallmark Channel," which is phrases that you would 
never never hear from me. But it's like just just get away from this. You know, give yourself a little bit of perspective, and and I try to do that a- as well, except when I'm in the position where I'm preparing for the show. When when I get done with the program, I, I try to I, I want some. I want some fun stuff. I want lighter stuff. I want entertaining stuff, even if it's not necessarily lighter. But I, I don't want to be thinking about all the events that are going on in the world. So I try to find fun things or at least stuff to take my mind off that. So last night, I, I watched a, a Jimmy Buffett concert. If you're a regular listener to this program, you know, I, I love the Jimmy Buffett show. I'm, I'm a huge Jimmy Buffett fan, went to more of his shows than I can, can think about. And, and what Buffett is doing, since he can't tour, he, um, they have a whole archive of, of shows from over the years that were recorded. And what they're doing is on Wednesdays and Saturday nights, they're rebroadcasting various shows. So like, and they, and they play it on Radio Margaritaville and you can stream it on your TV and it's available like on the YouTube channel. So, so last night, I, I, seven o'clock at night, sat down in the living room and I had an adult beverage and I had my, my dog with me and I had a cocktail, like I say, the adult beverage. And what happened is I, I turned on the Jimmy Buffett show and, and I watched it and it was, it was just great. Took my mind away from it. But what I saw going on was it, it was a concert. It was from a drive-in movie theater. They did a show last um, about five years ago. And what I saw was all these people dancing around close together. And I was wondering, how long is it going to be before we're comfortable going to concerts? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you going to be comfortable going to a concert this summer, next summer? When is that going to be? Let's take a quick break. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, so last night, like I said, in an effort to kind of pass time, get my mind off things, I'm on the YouTube channel, I'm watching this rebroadcast of a Jimmy Buffett concert from a drive-in movie theater in Fort Worth, Texas in 2014. And I'm watching all the people, you know, cram, it's a typical, it's, it's not unlike any other concert that you might go to nowadays. Everybody's standing shoulder to shoulder and they're dancing around and things like that. And, and I was looking at it and I'm thinking, huh, how long is it going to be? Before, if ever, we, we get back to that situation where you're, you're going to go to you know, one of these shows, you're going to go down to Summerfest, and everybody's going to be crammed in on the bleachers and dancing around on the picnic tables and stuff. Are you going to be comfortable anytime soon going to, again, one of these concerts where you're there with shoulder to shoulder with tens or hundreds or thousands of, of people? And I guess I was looking at this, and I was thinking, I'd, I'd like to say the answer is yes, but I honestly don't know. Are you going to be willing to go back anytime soon? Let's start with Mark in Kenosha. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, thank you. Hi, Mark. You know, I think the minute, uh, the minute a vaccine is publicly available, that's when I'll be ready to go back out to a large event or a concert or anything like that. Because until until we can have a vaccine, I don't want to be shoulder to shoulder with any group of people, regardless of where it's at. Well, concerts especially. So. <laughs> well, I mean, you realize that we're probably 
even best case scenario, we're, we're probably at least a year away. I mean, may, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe it'll come sooner. But we're probably a year, maybe a year and a half away. So you, 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 don't, you don't see yourself going out into large groups until we get that, huh? Well, the reason being is because I'm not concerned about my own welfare. I think I would probably be all right and, and beat the virus if I got it. But I'm concerned about everybody that I could spread it to. So I just I can't right. risk it, you know. Got it. Okay, good enough. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm trying very much to look at what does the the post-first stage of, of coronavirus look like? Because, you know, we're, we're talking about concerts being postponed because, again, of all the, the safer-at-home sort of orders and things like that. And, and that's all well and good. I, I get it. But I'm starting to wonder, just from our, our individual psyche, you know, if there's if if there's a show, boy, I was really looking forward to seeing the the Zach Brown show or whatever. But but now, are people going to be saying, okay, well, even if he starts touring in in July or August, are people going to be saying, you know, I, it might be great that he's touring, but the truth of the matter is, I don't necessarily feel comfortable going into one of these situations where you're standing, you're shoulder to shoulder with all sorts of, of people, um, you're, you're having all this type of, of contact because, you know, you, you, you can't go to one of these events and, and essentially you, you can't do, you know, the safer at home. You can't do the social distancing. You're, you're going to be in close proximity to people. You know, are, is that going to bother you a couple months from now? And again, I'm intrigued by this because... You know, we, we can talk about reopening things, and we can say, okay, well, we're going to have the event or we're going to schedule the concert or whatever, but if people are apprehensive about going, and I guess maybe the question becomes, you know, who are we talking about? If it's if it's somebody like our caller from the last segment, you know, Tristan, who's 21 years old, okay, well, he might feel more comfortable than maybe somebody who's in their 60s. 855-616-1620. Matt in Milwaukee. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? I am well, thank you, sir. Okay, are you going to be going back to a concert as soon as you can? Oh, yes, of course. I uh, I travel to go see my favorite band, and I'm like kind of bummed out that all this has happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it it is, but okay. So so as soon as they go back on tour, you're gonna you're you're gonna be doing everything you can to follow them. Oh yeah, of course, of course. It's uh, I mean. That's uh, we need to get money back into the economy, and I'm, if they say it's okay to go out, you know, I mean, I, I'm mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Okay, so once once you get the all clear, it's not going to bother you that you might be in a room of people and and somebody might have still been exposed to the coronavirus. And I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to talk you out of it. I'm just I'm kind of curious about mindset. So you you don't think you think you're ready to be business as usual once we we start resuming uh, all this stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, I, 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 that's how I spend my vacations. Like I travel and go see uh, the band Fish. So, I mean, I, I'm probably a little right. more different than most of the people yeah. who would be calling in because we're kind of culty. Okay. <laughs> well, nothing wrong with that. I, I mean, the people, it might be a cult, but you guys are a nice cult. I don't, you know, I get it. It's, it's, it's not bad. <laughs> okay, well, well, well thanks, thanks for calling, Matt. I appreciate it. And that's, I guess, see, that's what the dynamic is. And maybe... Maybe the answer to that question is it, it depends. It depends on 
your your age group. It depends on the, the health situations. I mean, I I do think it's going to be a gradual thing because I, I think there's going to be people again like like Matt who says, hey, I don't I don't care. I mean, this is you know once once we think we've got this under control, I'm 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 going to go and I'm going to live my life, and and that's the great attitude to have. And at the same time, I, I think there's perhaps other people who. Again, given the premise that coronavirus is going to be with us for the foreseeable future, what we're talking about doing now is just kind of controlling it. So given that it's going to be with us for the foreseeable future, I do think that there's some people, again, people particularly like in the more vulnerable groups, or if you interact with people who are in the more vulnerable groups, I I think there's going to be a lot of folks who say, you know what, maybe – and I don't mean to pick on Alpine Valley, but maybe, you know, cramming into the parking lot at Alpine Valley, maybe we don't want to do that right away. Chris in Milwaukee. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I was telling you, Screener, I, I really think that as long as a concert is announced or uh, the, the tour is scheduled to go on, um, that I'd probably be there. I mean, I have tickets to see Molly Crew at Miller Park in in August, and I'm just I'm praying because it would be my right. first time ever seeing them that that concert actually happens. But I'm crossing my fingers. Right. So you would have at, at this point in time, you would have no. <clears throat> assuming that that show happens. By the way, I think that's the same week that the Democratic National Convention is scheduled to be in Milwaukee. So yeah, maybe some trust, of the delegates. Yeah, trust can, me, I've been shaking. I've been shaking my head for the last couple hours about that now. <laughs> yeah, the delegates can go take in you know, Motley Crue and whatever. But but if that show occurs, you're you're going, and it doesn't matter to you that you might be interacting with thirty five thousand people, and and you don't know who's had it or who might have it. You're you you want to go, and you feel comfortable going. I I want to go. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. No. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And I and I mean I think that's again that's. It's going to be fascinating to me to see what happens as we start lifting the veil and, and allowing the, these shows to occur and allowing the, the large gatherings to occur. And I mean, this, this is—I mean, it, it raises one of the questions. I am—I'm a huge baseball fan. Okay, there's there's no secret about that. I'm just—I am as time goes on, I'm more and more skeptical about how the baseball season can, can be pulled off. Um, because just as a practical matter, even if we, we lift the stay-at-home or safer-at-home rules, and at, at some point in time, I mean, are, are, are people going to flock back to Miller Park with 40-some thousand people on, on top of each other, you know, in, in June or July? And, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know the answer to it. You know, I mean, you'd like to say, well, yes, of course, we're just going to flip a switch and it's going to go back to normal. I, I'm not sure that that's the case. And it's interesting because, again, as, I, as I'm watching this, this video from this drive-in movie concert, you know, last night, and I'm just seeing all these people bumping into each other and, you know, there was kind of like this giant mosh pit sort of thing and people running through it and dancing and doing all that stuff. I, I'm wondering, you know, are we ever going to see that uh, again? And my answer is, if I had to guess, yeah, we're probably going to see it, but but not for a long time. Will people go to to concerts? Will people go to large public events? Yeah, but I think the way the people are going to approach it, you know, might might be different. In, in my case, 
Yeah, w- would I go? Yeah, but would I try to still practice some degree of social distancing? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not a go sit on the lawn guy, you know, with, with 50, you know, with 50 people, you know, all crammed in close anyways. But, it, but I do think it's going to change a little bit. And I, I think from the perspective of people who are organizing the concert promoters and the event promoters, whether it's State Fair or whether it's Summerfest or whether it's any of these other things, I think this is going to be a, a real trying time until we get past the world of coronavirus. Once we end up getting the vaccines and the treatments, I I think it's likely to go back to normal. But do I think it's going to be that way this summer in particular? My answer would would probably be no. And that's an unfortunate thing, but I think it's the reality. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Interesting text. Jeff, I'm in a high-risk group, autoimmune disease, but I'm going to engage in life as soon as science and medical systems get caught up and give us reasonable mitigation efforts. We all take educated risks now. Uh, This is Mike. Jeff, I planned on going to a Brewers game before my second son was born at the end of June, but now that's just not going to happen. I badly want to go, but even if they play, I'm going to err on the side of caution. Jeff, I'm a Packers season ticket holder. I'm worried about how many tickets I will be able to sell this year as I can only go to one or two games myself. That, that again, is sort of an interesting question. I was, I've been thinking about that. I was, I mean, the last Packers game I was at was the, uh, the, the playoff game this year against Seattle and, and people were just, now you were, you were bundled up and you had the face masks on and stuff like that, but you're sitting shoulder to shoulder. That's the experience at, at Lambeau Field. You're, you're on those bleachers, and you're crammed. You are you are jammed in about as tightly as people can be jammed in, and you've got people right behind you. And you got people right in front of you. All right, is that is that going to change? Are people going to be reluctant to go? And I think some people probably are. Jeff, I have a concert August 11th at Alpine Valley. I hope it doesn't get canceled. I will be there if they were playing this weekend, and I were allowed. Um, I was going to go. Jeff, it's like the movie Jaws. Who's going to get into the water first? Well, I, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. And then another text, uh, it, this is ridiculously overblown. How many dead in the state so far? I, you know, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that and whether it's overblown or not. But the reality of the matter is it's a, it's a big deal. And it's affecting how we go about life. And it, it's going to be, I think, a gradual return to normal. And that's just kind of the reality. And I don't know what the new normal is going to look like. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. Nice day outside. Hope you can, again, following the social distancing rules, find an opportunity to get out and enjoy the weather just a little bit. Interesting piece in the New York Times yesterday. It, the headline is, we're not wired to be this alone. Um, when the lockdowns began, the orders to avoid travel, to avoid friends, to shelter in place, to shrink our worlds to the slightest physical dimensions endurable. My first impression was how quickly and ingeniously we adapted. Abracadabra, classrooms went online. Physicians and therapists used Zoom to see patients. Happy hour happened on FaceTime. We're going to realize, I thought, how much more can be accomplished without the muss and fuss of actually meeting in person. Many of our activities will migrate into cyberspace forevermore. 
Weeks later, this is the columnist, I think the opposite. I know of exactly no one who's satisfied with this way of doing things. Friends who have scores of faithful email and text message correspondence tell me they nonetheless feel out of touch and out of sorts. Colleagues who regarded the occasional opportunity to work from home as a gift concede the office is looking better and better all the time. It has virtues beyond free pens and paper clips. It has, well, other people. And then the piece goes on. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I, I do this from time to time, talking about what I consider to be the, the electronic town hall that, that I can offer. Um, we, we're all following the Safer at Home rules. We understand, I think, that we're going to have to follow these Safer at Home rules <clears throat> for the next you know, several weeks. And, and hopefully, you know, things will get better. Hopefully we'll get to a point where restaurants open up and movie theaters open up and they start playing baseball and you can, you know, go to some of the stores and you can, you know, interact with your neighbors at a backyard in, in a backyard party and we don't be we aren't we aren't told that you have to limit the gathering to, to ten people, et cetera, et cetera. You you hope that we're going to get to that point. I don't know when it is, but you know it's going to happen at some point. But while we are going through this safer at home, my, my question to you is, for you, what has been the hardest part about this? And I understand, see, people experience this in, in different ways. I, I understand maybe you're one of the people who um, is – lost your job maybe, maybe you've been laid off or whatever because your business is closed but that could be it maybe you're just an incredibly social person whose life revolved around you know going out to the taverns and going out to the restaurants and, and that's been taken away from you maybe it's, it's the sense of <clears throat> isolation that you know has been inflicted on all of us but i am curious a couple weeks into this now 855-616-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line we are all going through this together admittedly <clears throat> it's a common experience but we're, we're we're dealing with this in different ways and admittedly our situations are all different but we're going through this so my question and, and i by the way i, I agree with the, the premise of this article we're not <clears throat> wired to be this alone now i understand there's some people out there that it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. You're not particularly social. This hasn't necessarily changed anything, other than it's an inconvenience that you can't go into, you know, the Starbucks or the Colectivo to stand there and you know interact and, and get your get your coffee that you leave with. So I understand for some people it's an inconvenience, but for others I, I think it's it's more significant. So, given what we've been going through in the last couple of weeks, what's for you been the hardest part about? Staying home, the, the safer at home, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I think a lot of people might be able to relate to this because, like I say, to one degree or another, we're all experiencing this situation. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Tell you what, let me take a quick break, give Gru back at the studio a time to line up the calls. If you're on the line, please hold on. What's been the hardest part of the last couple weeks and not being able to interact like we normally would with with people we discuss in just a moment if you're on the line please hold on back to take your calls here's wtmj's jeff wagner 
855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, we're a couple weeks now into Safer at Home. It's going to be best-case scenario a couple more weeks as well. I hope it's sooner rather than later because the longer this goes on and the longer we have businesses closed, and I understand some people don't care about the businesses, but the longer we have businesses closed, the, the tougher it's going to be for those people who run the businesses, those people who work in the businesses. But I'm curious as to what what it is that, that you miss. What's been the hardest part for you about safer at home right now? Rebecca in Menominee Falls. Rebecca, you're first. Hello. Hi, how are you? I am well, thank you. What's been tough about this for you? For me, it's been tough in a couple ways. I am a healthcare worker, so I am considered an essential employee. So, of course, mm-hmm. this has been an unprecedented experience in that regard, but I'm also a parent. And because this is not something we've ever really had before, I don't always know if I'm making the right decisions for my children. And, you know, I have two teenage boys. One has a girlfriend. And how do you date when you have to social distance? (laughs) And so when they, you know, want a friend to come over and I have to tell them, no, it's really hard. And so I think that's just, been the hardest mm-hmm. for me. Sure, and, and you're a healthcare worker, so you're 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 going into work. This is it's business as usual for you, at least from an employment perspective. You're you're going into wherever it is you work every day, right? More or less. Yeah. You know, I still am fortunate. You know, hours are variable. People are right. getting pulled to other, you know, assignments right. and things of that nature, but. I still get to get up and go to work most days as normal. The atmosphere, of course, is different, but yeah, I bet. still get some social element. And for my children, who are just completely stuck at home, it, I can see how challenging it is for people to do that. And Yeah. Absolutely. Rebecca, thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it, and, and good luck in the healthcare field. Emma in Heartland. Emma, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Well, I'm a student, so we have to do almost all of our work online, which has been a really big shift for me. Obviously, right. there's some benefits, like we can stay in our pajamas and join class, but there's a lot of things that are really difficult, like staring at the computer screen all day, which gives me like a lot of headaches. And right. the virtual classes are good. But we get a lot less done because there's always people fooling around and, like, talking. Um, Not being able to see my friends every day has been kind of hard. Just because that sounds stupid, but seeing people that you want to be around, it honestly takes a lot out of you to not be able to see them every day. So it's been some changes, but hopefully it just all goes away quickly. No, Emma, I don't think that that sounds stupid at all. We're, we are, you know, we are a, a social people. I mean, most of us are, and I... You know, it's I'm 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 lucky. You know, I I I I I can do my job from from my home. You know, and and I've got my dog and I've got my wife, and so we have people to interact with. But I I miss my friends. 
There, there's just no question about it. I, I miss, you know, we, we have regular groups of people that, you know, we go out with and we interact with and all, and, and I miss that. You know, yeah, yeah, I can talk to them on the phone, and, yes, we extend, you know, we, we have, you know, we email back and forth or we'll text message or, you know, but, but that's not the same as saying, hey, let's go out and have a beer or something. I, that, I, I miss it. drives me absolutely crazy that I can't go and have dinner with with pals of mine or with dear friends of ours. That's what I miss. We're social people, so I, I get it entirely. I get it. Right, yeah. No. So that's, yeah. yeah. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, Emma. Um, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Mary Ann on the northwest side. Mary Ann, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm calling in regards to the older people. Um, I live by myself, and... Uh, I'm a people person, and yep. not having that contact with individuals, that's very overwhelming. And when I go to the store in that, I always, uh, I always ma- uh, make a nice comment to somebody because we don't know what they're actually going through, going through this, uh, this time now. And uh, yep. I've gotten a lot of response, that, oh, I'm, I'm so glad to talk to somebody or see somebody's face in that. So you have to remember the older people that are by themselves. Uh, I'm by myself. I have my plants. My plants are growing because I talk to them, but they don't talk back to me. So that's the only thing that's wrong you know but um, sometimes that can be a good thing but i under marianne thanks for the call sometimes that can be a good thing you don't get them talk back to but i but i certainly understand your point you know it's interesting i'm receiving a number of texts and that that's that's one of the points here's to kind of bootstrap on what marianne was just saying uh jeff today my son turned two the hardest part is not having grandparents and other relatives over to celebrate with him. Um, I found out today that I'm laid off, and my wife is laid off as well. Um, for her, um, being pregnant and not being limited, and being and being limited to being home or going to the park down the street is wearing on her. But you know, it is, it is, it is interesting. And of course, you know, you, you've got the layoffs and stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the next hour because that, that's. I'm afraid it's going to get worse before it gets better, which is why. I appreciate what we're doing with Safer at Home and all the, the, the measures of keeping safe, but at the same time, we got to be figuring out ways to get people back to work. Um, that's, that's just the bottom line, as soon as we possibly can. Not, not I'm saying today or tomorrow, but we got to do that. But I do think it's kind of the isolation. And I've heard from a number of people who are saying that if you have grandparents or parents that are – you know, by, by themselves or in, like, the, the senior living facilities or something like that, the frustration is not being able to see them and not being able to interact. And I, I certainly understand that as well because, like I say, we're, we're social people. Um, let's talk to Erin in Watertown. Erin, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello. How are you doing? Hi, Erin. I am, I am doing as well as can be expected, I think. So I got, I got no complaints. Um, I'm calling on behalf of people who have had um, um, uh, surgeries such as rotator cuffs and total knee replacements. I had rotator cuff surgery about four months ago, and so I'm still doing the outpatient physical therapy, and all of that's been canceled because of the coronavirus, and I get it. They don't want you in the outpatient gyms. So they're doing it via phone, which is very nice, and they're going to be starting virtual visits in the next week or so. But I feel bad, not just for myself, but somebody who's had a total knee replacement or a hip replacement, because you really do need that 
hands-on one and one-on-one to get your full range of motion and get that knee going and get that shoulder going. And that's who I feel bad for is anybody who's had surgeries recently. And um, as my therapist said, we're not going to call this um, a setback. We're just going to call this an adjustment. And he said it's probably going to take you longer to get your arm to where you want it to go. And I just have to maintain now until I can see him again. Right. Thanks for the call. I pre- and, you know, to, to your point, I mean, and I, I appreciate the, the therapy aspect of it. I'm hearing from a number of people um, who who really, their, their answer is that they essentially miss being able to go to the gym. You know, but the various health clubs and stuff close down, understand why, why that is. But, you know, a lot of people that go to the health club, number one, it's for their own personal fitness. And I understand you know, you, you can find a workout regimen, you can work at home, and you can walk and things like that. But I think one of the things that appeals to, to people to go to the fitness center is, first of all, all the facilities they have. <clears throat> Secondly, you, you also you have that, that socialization that, you know, you especially if you're somebody that works out on a regular basis, you, you see the same people there, you, you have friends. It's Again, it's that consistency that, that I think we, we miss. And I, we, we are social people. There, there's just... There's no question about it. Some of us are more social than others, but, but we're all kind of social people. And, again, if, if I were to answer that question, for me it would be <clears throat> I miss being able to interact with my friends. I miss you know, being able to interact with <clears throat> my colleagues and my, my coworkers and all. Now, it's on the one hand. You know, I mean, working at home has certain appeals. You know, you you don't have to drive 30 minutes to get to the office. You don't have to drive 30 minutes home. You know, you just kind of go up to your home office and you plug in a couple things and you throw a couple switches and, and it all works out. And, and there is an appeal to that. I get it. But I, I, I miss the daily interaction that I've had for the last 20-some years, for example, at WTMJ with, with my colleagues. And and I also, like I say, for all my friends out there, I, I, I miss being able to go out to dinner on a Friday night and sit down and, and talk about things, or I miss being able to go grab a beer after work or something like that. Let's talk to Sue in Cedarburg. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What's Hi. been hardest about this for you? Well, I got two things stick in my mind. First of all, we're very involved in our church, and we miss yep. doing that greatly. My husband is a Habitat habitual. He's there twice a week, every week. He's been there for 15 years, and he misses that greatly. However, they do get to talk to each other once a week, or they have talk-ins, but it's just not the same. But I think mostly we miss our grandkids. Um, we didn't go to Florida because we wanted to be here with our grandkids and watch them grow up, and, and we have been able to do that and miss them greatly, miss going to the baseball games, the swim meet. We had to cancel a national swim meet for our granddaughter, and this hurts her for her college um, because she missed her two uh, recruiting trips and things like that. So, you know, we, we miss them a great deal. Yeah, it's family. No, I, I thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it. I, and that's, and it's interesting because as you might expect, we're being swamped with people on the, the, the text line. Um, Jeff, I miss having my regular visits with my parents, shopping together, going out to lunch, and and hugging them. Hmm, yeah, Jeff, I miss people and my family. We've got back from Hawaii, and the only people, the only the only person I can show my spring tan to is my wife, and and she was with me. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, 
Uh, Jeff, homeschooling the kids is pretty different. I've been going okay so far, but I'm starting a new job next week. It'll be interesting to see what that's like while trying to homeschool. Here's an interesting thing. When If the question is, you know, what, what's been the most difficult thing about, you know, you're safer at home, basically knowing what day of the week it is. <laughs> there is, there is a, an element of that, I, I, I confess. And like, like I say, I, I'm in a fortunate situation that I'm, I'm still working. I'm just working from a different location. But it is one of those things where you go, huh, what's this like? I have a very, very dear friend who, who's retired, one of the nicest people in the world, and his, his social life, revolves around he, he has a, a active group of friends and they they frequent he, he's single they frequent a, a bunch of taverns you know in in the area and he, these have been like lifetime friends of his and i always used to kid him that he, he knows which day of the week it is by you know which, which bar that they're going to go to because hey it's tuesday night so there's tacos at, at jeff's bar and then on wednesday night there's the the pizza night at you know frank's bar i always kid him that my that he knows what day of the week it is like i say because of you know who's tending bar and what food they're serving at a particular place i actually jokingly about a week ago called him up and said how are you going to keep track of what day of the week it is with all these restaurants being closed um so it it, it is it is that, and, and we are all in, in the same boat. It's the interaction that, that we have, and I, I go back to the basic premise, and I, I actually, um, I'll, I'll text out a link to this to this story because I think it makes some very good points. The, the truth is, and maybe we, we need something like this to demonstrate this, we're really, we're not wired to be as alone as as we're being required to be. That That's just... That's the simple reality of it. And maybe it'll make us appreciate that. It's, I, I'm sort of being, what's the phrase, hoisted on my own petard because my, my wife is more social than I am. And, and one of our, our standing jokes is she just, she books us. Like, like during normal times, it'll be six nights out of seven, you know, we'll, we'll be doing something with, with people because she loves people and people love her. And, and occasionally I'll say, hey, look, I just need a night off. I just need a night that I want to just kind of sit and veg in front of the TV and, and do nothing. Well, now, like every night, is you, you sit and veg in front of the TV, and uh, you know that you, you don't have all those options. So it is, I guess, perhaps making me appreciate having that active social calendar, and maybe it'll make me appreciate it a lot more once we get back to normal. But um, if you're experiencing you know, okay, problems with safer at home or things like that, and you're a little bit frustrated and you're getting a little bit antsy, all I can tell you is we are all in the same boat. And collectively, I, I at least, I feel your pain. No question about it. All right, when we come back, well, lots of stuff on the program. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner. We resume right after the news. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. All right, let us go where angels fear to tread. And whenever I go down this route, I, I understand there's some people who hear this and say, Oh, Jeff, you are depreciating the seriousness of coronavirus and if we can save one life and all those things. And, and I'm not. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm working at home. I, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get anybody else sick. I, I want to get past this as soon as possible. Yeah, I do think we need to be figuring out how we can safely reopen the economy of this state as quickly as possible because you, you've got you got people who've lost their jobs who you know have to make rent payments and have to make mortgage payments and have to feed their families and all that so I, I think 
as quickly as we can do so responsibly. Yeah, we, we do need to do what we can do to uh, allow people to, to go back to, to work, whether it's working in the bars or the restaurants, and maybe that's going to come later than some of the other things, or grooming dogs or cutting people's hair or doing nails, whatever people's professions are. But I, So I get, I understand this is a significant thing, and, and we need to be responsible. We need to be safer at home. We need to follow social distancing, all those sort of things. At the same time, I wonder whether some of the stuff we are doing is, is constructive. For example, it seems on an on, on almost daily basis there's some model or study that comes out that says, well, all right, this is what our latest projection is, and the projection says that um, what's going to happen is within two weeks we're going to have X number of deaths and, and X number of cases. And, and then it, what ends up getting reported is kind of the worst-case scenario. I mean, two days ago they came out, the, the president was talking about this, this study that was done that said if we practice social distancing, you, you know, there's still going to be 100,000 to 240,000 deaths. And that's if we practice social distancing. Now that's a, and then of course the, the media picks that up, and the headline is 240,000 deaths, and that ends up, you know, driving the stock market, you know, down because people see that and, and they freak out. Now that, that that study, I mean, yesterday, so 24 hours later, after that comes out, apparently the group that does that revises the study and now says based on, on new data they're projecting it's going to be even worse. There, that there's even going to be be more deaths. And and maybe that's going to be the case. But the problem with this is that we're in uncharted territory. See, nobody nobody knows. I mean, you, you run all these different projections and you run all the, these different models and you, and you make all these various different assumptions. But, but things change on a regular basis. And, and we just, you know, we, we don't know. A week ago... You had the acting director of the, the state's you know, health agency who stood up and said, okay, unless we implement social distancing by April 8th, which is next Wednesday, less than a week, you're going to have 22,000 cases of coronavirus, and you're going to have 400 to 1,400 deaths, which is a, a huge range. Well, okay, I mean, the way it stands now, we've got, I think, 1,700-plus cases of coronavirus positive, way less than 22,000, and we're at at 36 deaths, mostly older people with other health issues that are going on, but a far cry away from 400 and a huge cry away from from 1,400. Now, I mean, maybe you can say that's because our social distancing efforts are working, and and that could be the case, but but at the same time, you kind of also wonder, what, what was the methodology that went into these numbers? And so then there's a new study that comes out yesterday from uh, Washington State, and, and that says that, well, okay, by April 26th, you're going to have, in Wisconsin, you're going to have, I don't know, 13,500 deaths. And, and, and again, is that possible? Yes. You, you hope that that's not going to be the case because there'd certainly have to be a lot of stuff going on over the course of, of the next three weeks. But you get you know one study after another. That, that just kind of comes out and, and has these huge numbers in it. And then, then it changes on a regular basis. And I'm not saying that the researchers are trying to be apocalyptic. I'm just saying that you've got all these different models out there. And, and we're, we're in uncharted territory. We don't know how all this is going to work. We don't know how the social distancing stuff is going to work. We don't know 
whether, um, for example, the problems in New York because of all the, the, the density, the fact that you had all these people like living on top of each other, whether that model is going to translate to, I don't know, Milwaukee, for, for example, or whether it's going to translate to Madison. And, and yet you get these reports. Now, I mean, I'm not denying that these models come out and say this, but the numbers are so all over the map that you do have to kind of wonder, and I think it's fair to say, okay, what what's the accuracy of this? And are we doing anybody any favors by constantly, you know, okay, this is the latest model that says this is what it's going to be. Now, maybe the justification for it is you, you want to you wanna always present the, the worst-case scenario so that, you know, people appropriately don't think that this is no big deal and, and don't think, okay, I, I could ignore all these different rules. Okay, maybe that's a justification. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're also we're, we're freaking people out. There, there's no question about it. I mean, you come out and you say, hey, by April, um, by April 8th, we think there's going to be between 400 and 1,400 deaths in the state of Wisconsin. All right, and, and of course nobody asks the methodology, and nobody asks what the the analysis is, and 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 it's good that we're. It doesn't appear to me, unless, like I say, you have have massive numbers of deaths occurring in the next six days, and I sure as heck hope that's not the case. But unless you have that happen, th- th- those numbers were wrong. Now you can maybe say again, all right, well it's because the social distancing worked, and I, I think there's probably an element to that, but. I think it's also probably fair to say that that particular study and the assumptions they made weren't weren't right. All right, our number, I'm just going to do this for one segment, and I'm not, again, I'm hesitant to do this because whenever I do it, people say, oh, you're just denying the significance. I'm not, but I I don't want to scare people, and I guess I'm afraid sometimes when we just have one app, uh, you know, one study after another predicting the apocalypse and just the, these enormous numbers that are being thrown around, which I guess are, are possible. But I, I, I seriously question the reliability behind some of these estimates. And, and yes, should we social distance? Of course. Yes, do we need to keep the bars and restaurants closed? Of course. But when, when we always hear these studies and we kind of, again, assume the worst case scenario, are, are we doing people any favors? And is the methodology solid enough to, to I mean, treat this stuff as reliable? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, again, that's, that's just my concern. I, I believe in times of crisis what we need from government officials, what we need from the medical community, we, we need transparency. We, I think you sh- we should be able to trust our fellow citizens, and and we don't. I don't think need to scare them. We should report accurately, you know, what's going on. But we don't need to go out of our way to try to always present a worst kind of case scenario. And I, I think when it comes to some of of these estimates that you see that vary dramatically from day to day because they keep changing the data and changing the assumptions in an era where we really don't have anything reliable to work on because we've never dealt with something like coronavirus before. I, I think sometimes, you know, we need to take this stuff with a grain of salt. And that's not saying it's not serious. It's just pointing out that, you know, you're getting a lot of these numbers out there and and a lot of them aren't accurate, or they change on a regular basis because it's a dynamic situation. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
855-616-1620. See, I can mortgage talk and text line. Jeff, it's better to overreact than underreact, isn't it? The death toll could be worse than the predictions, couldn't they? Yeah, I, I I think it's it's possible that they could be worse. But my point is, it's it's not a question of overreacting or underreacting. It's a question of if if we're going to start talking numbers, you know, you you want to be don't you want to be accurate? Don't you want to be transparent? And part of the problem is with this whole coronavirus thing that, that we we don't have any experience. You know, you've got all these people that have these different models that that they they put in, and the models all vary with, <clears throat> with the data. And I, I don't doubt, for example, that there was some model which suggested that by next Wednesday in Wisconsin you could have 1,400 coronavirus deaths. I, I, and I'm sure there was something. But clearly, and even though social distancing, I, I want to think it's, it's working, it's something that went into that model was, was wrong. I, they, they had some assumptions that were in there because, thank goodness, we're, we're not going to be close to we're not going to be close to 1400 deaths now that was in the high end we're probably i hopefully we're not going to be close to 400 deaths over the course of the next you know few days and, and that that's that that's a good thing but if we're going to make public policy decisions i, I do think that we have to I think we have to do the best we can to figure out is the methodology behind this stuff accurate, and then I think that we have to be also careful with with how we're we're reporting it because we do tend to freak people out by these numbers, which is, and and again then the numbers just change from from day to day because <clears throat> somebody else running some other model has, has just changed the, the assumption. And, and that's not to suggest that we, we downplay the impact of coronavirus or that we immediately open the bars and restaurants and start playing Major League Baseball. No, I, I believe our elected officials, when they say, hey, it's going to be bad for the next few weeks especially and we're going to have these peaks, but but the, these models that they're basing it on and these numbers and these projections, I, I just think that there, there's huge issues with the reliability of them. Um, let's see, Jeff, that's exactly why I don't look at any of the numbers. Nobody knows how many people will get it. Nobody knows when we're going to be done self-isolating. Nobody knows how many people are going to, um, you know, die. Jeff, my mother, 71, doesn't have a computer or smartphone. She thought everyone who caught the virus died due to the TV news. Well, you know, that, you know, that, that's part of the thing that's out there as well. And I, <clears throat> I'm a do the math guy, and I know that drives some of you crazy when I when I go through this. But Wisconsin has 5.8 million people, and and as of right now, you have about 1,750 who've tested positive for coronavirus. That's that's like 0.00028 percent, and 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 we we want to stop it from getting huge. We want to stop it from overwhelming our, our hospital system, which is why, and I've been pushing for this for a week and a half, they finally started reporting the number of hospitalizations, which I <clears throat> see to me that's that's the key thing. You want to look at hospitalizations because, as I've been saying, coronavirus isn't going to disappear in three weeks. It's not going to disappear in six weeks. It's going to be around till we get a vaccine. That That's just the reality. Or that enough people get it so you develop herd immunity. But that's not going to happen for a while. So people are going to become Coming down with this, we just want to get it to a point where we, we don't overwhelm. There's not so many people that get it all at once that you overwhelm the healthcare system. And that's why I think I'm glad they finally started reporting hospitalizations because it gives you an idea in Wisconsin at least. Now, I'm not talking about New York City. That's a different dynamic. But at least in Wisconsin, it gives you an idea of 
all right, how, how bad is this? Are we going to have enough hospital beds? And at least right now, it, it looks like that's the case. Not downplaying the significance of this. I, I get it. Big deal. We want to continue to social distance. We want to do everything we can, the hand washing, etc. We do not want to be stupid about this because you, you don't want to get it, even you know even if you're healthy and even if you don't need to be hospitalized, you don't want to get it. But I think you've got to look at hospitalizations. And, and I will tell you, my honest guess is, my guess, I mean, they're reporting 1,741 positive cases. My guess is a lot more people than that probably came down with coronavirus um, and who just didn't need They didn't feel good for a couple days, and then they got over it. So that, I think, my guess is the number of people who actually caught this are probably much larger than that number. It's just that they they didn't have any significant symptoms or anything like that. Like I say, if you look at the number of deaths, what you see is that this is, it's it's a terrible disease. But the, the virus particularly hits older people. Actually, it seems to be disproportionately affecting older men with health issues. So, I mean, that's that that's just kind of the reality of this stuff. So it, you, you report the numbers. My only message is if you're trying to maintain your sanity, I, I think you need to I think you need to process all this stuff, maintain safe spaces, follow the hand washing thing. Don't do stupid stuff. Keep your distance Try to stay healthy as best you can because you don't want it. But at the same time, you know, recognize that when you see some of these apocalyptic headlines, I, I think some of the science that goes into this, we're, we're just in uncharted areas. And the truth of the matter is I don't think anybody knows. That, that's just the reality. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that we're going to look back a month from now and we're going to look at some of these projections and, and we're going to say, boy, they, they really completely overstated this. And maybe that's something, if that's the case, and I hope it is, then we're going to be able to say, okay, when something like this happens again, if it happens again, right, what can we learn from the way we handle this? Bottom line, short term, what you have to do is everything you can to stay healthy.